0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, this is Tony Cotti and you're listening to the We Are West End Podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast, Opposition View with me, Will Pugh, and I'm delighted to say joining us, looking ahead to Sunday's game at London Stadium in the Premier League against Crystal Palace is sports journalist with the athletic Max Matthews. Maxie, great to have you on the podcast once again. The Palace-West Ham game, always a bit of a peculiar one, I always enjoy our conversations. You're Palace Mad, you know your stuff about football, of course, and Every, I, I never really know how I feel going into the games against Palace. I, I always mm. think that, you, you know, we just had Burnley. I always think you're a good addition to the Premier League. I like Palace being in the Premier League. I like the ground. And I always sort of have this weird sense of confidence, but also at the same time, the exact same amount of fear that we're going to lose 3-0. Uh, I can't really. I don't really know what I can put that down to. But what what's your thoughts when you when you see West Ham looming on the fixture list? How do you tend to feel?
1: Um, this isn't a result of West Ham's um, kind of quality as a team or anything. But I always feel a little bit optimistic, just in terms mm. of we tend to have got the better review in recent years. In a lot of tight games, we've got you know we've had last minute winners and you know, penalties and that kind of thing. And so just based on the fact that <clears throat> we seem to be somewhat of a, of a bogey team, at least in, I don't know, the last five years, um, we seem to have had our fair share of results and so probably slight optimism. But that is not the case going into this weekend, as I'm sure we'll discuss.
0: <laughs> yeah, we will we will discuss that indeed. It's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because now Manuel Lanzini's left West Ham, yeah. who scored, I think, 97.9% of his West Ham yeah. goals against Crystal Palace. Always screeners as that, well somehow. Yeah, 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 never less than a 9 out of 10 quality. The one he scored at Sellers Park, where he sort of controlled it with his right and smashed it in with his left in the same movement, genuinely yeah, one of the greatest yeah. goals. Yeah, so I was I was very sad to see him go, not just for his goals against Palace, but you know, just generally. I mean, in history, um, West Ham's record against Crystal Palace is one twenty-five, drawn twenty-three, lost eighteen. So we've got a slight edge over you, um, going back to our first ever game in nineteen oh six, which weirdly I don't quite remember. Um mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> As you mentioned, I, th- I think in the last sort of, w- we've only had out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. In the last nine games we've played against you, we've won just twice, lost four of them and and the rest have been draws. So it does feel like you have the upper hand. Do you put that down to anything particular? I think every team has that in the league, don't they? It like, even when we play Villa, even though they're good, I always sort of seem to be confident because we always tend to beat them. Uh, conversely whenever we play Everton I just, Mm. no matter how good or bad they are or how good or bad we are, Mm. I'm sorry, well that's a defeat because we always lose Mm. to Everton. What what do you put that recent success of Palaces against West Ham down to?
1: That's a good question
0: Um, because It really was, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't know. I think maybe the fact that uh, not that West Ham play rubbish football under David Moyes, you don't with the Europa Conference League playing absolutely terrible football, but mm. maybe just the sense that they play a bit more in a kind of direct and um, way. Um, maybe that's being un- unfair to, to, to Moise, Moise ball. Um, but I think just the fact that I don't know, West Ham, that their kind of style of play under Moise seems to just match up quite nicely um, to Palace. Yeah, Um, no,
0: I I quite agree. I think it's one of those where, because David Moyes is typically happy to let other teams have the ball, when we come up against teams, not that this is how you were under Vieira particularly, but when we come up against teams who are also not that bothered about having the ball, that tends to be when we come unstuck, when when we play teams who play the same way as we do, almost. But look, uh, we'll, we'll go into, obviously there's some team news, Sort of creeping out yesterday and today, mm-hmm. Palace-wise, with some injuries to check the core and um, Eber Eze Looks like he could be out for a couple of weeks. The core potentially the whole season. We'll get onto that in a minute. But uh, how are you? How are you sort of feeling at the moment? Obviously, the the Patrick Vieira era came to an end. Hodgson came back, and mm-hmm. and at the end of last season, you you were playing like nineteen seventies Brazil for a few weeks. Um, I think, you know, just, you'll forgive me, just your stats alone this season in the Premier League, I think you're like the, you've got the sort of fourth lowest goals for tally and also like the fourth or fifth best defensive record as well. It it, it might be for outsiders, it might be fair to say you've kind of reverted to type under Hodgson. How have you, what did you make of the whole managerial situation and then and then how are you finding it this year? Yeah,
1: I was... I was slightly uh against the decision to sack Vieira um because in a lot of the games that we had lost we we played really well and just come out on the end of like a, a one call defeat like against man city we were nil nil deservedly nil nil until like the 83rd minute or something and then at least just gives away a stupid penalty and we leave, and we lose one nil but like Vieira's yeah. was coached nil nil against city um and lot lo- three or four other examples uh like that where we could have easily um got 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 the results but you know maybe didn't have the the luck or that that real clinical edge and so and we had a much and he, he had a really difficult run of fixtures before he got sacked and then a much easier run of fixtures after um he eventually got sacked but i i do understand it and i, I suppose the fact that we really picked up under Hudson, um which is sort of mitigated by the fact that we had the much easier fixtures yeah it was potentially the right call um <clears throat> And basically, based on how we played last season, which was a real antithesis to how we had played under Hodgson previously,
0: um, yeah.
1: to be fair, we had a much better team under Hodgson um, at the end of last season. A lot of the older players had left, and a lot of the you know, younger, more dynamic, more technically um, proficient players were, were there. Um, players like Alice, um, obviously, Decore, um, Gay, and Anderson helped as well. Um, and so, yeah, we, we were playing much, much better football at the end of last season under Hodgson. As I say, easier fixtures, but the way we were winning those games with, you know, brilliant attacking football and we were just looking like really confident and um, everything seemed to be coming together. It was the perfect blend of the kind of usual Hodgson defensive solidity, but with also for our attacking players with the freedom to to kind of enjoy themselves. And yeah, so having not Really decided who Palace were going to go for long term with the manager. It made sense as a kind of stopgap to have another a year of Hodgson, um, or at least it made sense at the time. Um, yeah. Now we're kind of seeing some cracks forming in that plan because they had a long time to think about who they wanted. You know, three months I think, or something like that, until the end of the season, while Hodgson was there to maybe look at, you know, who who they might have wanted to to be the long-term boss and maybe they approach people and they weren't ready. I think Graham Potter was mentioned, but he, you know, he wanted a break from football after the Chelsea horror show, which is fair enough. So possibly they hmm. had names and they approached him and couldn't get them. Um, but yeah, the, the the downsides of the Hudson plan are now showing, which is that tactically he doesn't seem to have much beyond try and be solid and potentially hit them on the break. Um, and, you know, that, that's fine for a while and you can dig out results. You know, we beat United at Old Trafford. Obviously, United have been not brilliant this season, but we have had some good results this season. But now, um, particularly with the injuries, which I suppose does does offer some mitigation for him because we've, we've had really bad injuries all season. But now we seem to be struggling. We've lost four and five. Um, obviously, Ducore is potentially out for the rest of the season and he really is one of our best players. I think he still remains underrated by a lot of fans. Um, who who are neutrals and so yeah I'm I'm not particularly optimistic about the season and it, it would be o- over the top to say the rest of the season is a write off but I I don't really mm. know what we're going to achieve because we're going to focus on the league so we're not going to have a cup run most likely and I don't think we're going to get relegated there are going to be three teams worse than Palace especially oh season. definitely yeah but you know I I really can't see us finishing higher than 14th or 13th and I don't know if that kind of that kind of position allied with the poor football and you know the the sort of lack of excitement means that we might start losing some of our better players in the summer whereas if you know as under Vieira where we finished in around the same place but just the feel of the club was much different in terms of excitement and ambition and style of football obviously you know, fans and players are more engaged with that, whereas not so much under Hodgson now.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's re- genuinely really interesting because I th- I think it was easy at the time. And look, I did it. I was one of these people. It's easy as an outsider. When you don't follow the ins and outs of a club week in, week out and go to the games and get there. You have put a spot on there about the sense of the fans and the feeling of the fans. I always like to ask people about that. You know, how are the fans feeling? Because it's not always as black and white as <clears> how <throat> oh, we're eighth in the league. So everything's dandy or we're 16th and everything's terrible. Like you say, there are other things, particularly for match going fans. You know, I know you are get down to sell us uh, quite a lot, Maxi, And, and I think when there are more, it's more to just where you are in the league. Right. And but I think, at the time when Vieira got appointed, I thought that's really exciting. That is really exciting. And I went to a couple of uh, uh like Palace press conferences, and you know, he's still got that aura. And I, I know, I know, you know, we've seen that with Frank Lampard and plenty of other players that aura doesn't win you football games, right? I understand that, but it was like, blimey, this is a real like brave, exciting move from Palace to uh, almost like a breakaway from the um the image you'd picked up over the season's past so when it was you know yeah. and look if, if it didn't work out I've got no problem with that um you know uh, I, I sort of always I find it really annoying when football fans sort of go ah oh, you should never have done that it's like well no like just you can it's brave to try and change the feeling of a club yeah. or whatever or change a manager or change a player or whatever. But if it doesn't work immediately, that doesn't mean it's a failure. You just try again. Like You just do something a little bit different. Um, and, you know, I, I say that time and time again with West Ham striker situation. I'd sooner us buy someone and then flop every year than just keep reverting back and then give up and go, oh, we'll play Mikel Antonio for another decade. Um, yeah. And I think it's just, it's just so, you know, the, the best example is Joe Hart with uh, Pep Guardiola with Joe Hart and Claudio Bravo. It's like... He knew what he was trying to do. Okay, he didn't get the right person for it, bravo, straight away. So he went again, but ultimately the plan was correct. Yeah. And it just seemed, with Palace, I thought, excellent, that's great. That's that's a good thing for the club and and the fans and, you know, try and sort of step up a bit after a few years of solidifying. So then when you just went back to Hodgson, I I know he's probably, or is he thought of more more sort of fondly at Palace and perhaps he is elsewhere in the prem but it just felt like ah oh, really just like you've tried once yeah. and it's and it's, it weren't like it was a disaster it just has well, Season under zero
1: was brilliant
0: yeah and it did it feel like that at a club where the fans are oh really like come on we was there was something going there and there was something happening at the club again and and yeah. now here we are watching us sit in 14th and not really scoring defending quite well and it's just back to like
1: Yeah, so when Hodgson took over, I think there was a a general understanding that he was the best short-term manager to to kind of see us through until the rest of the season, just kind of pull us away from the relegation zone and just ensure a a nice, safe finish. Um, And so I'd say there was sort of general agreement on that um, midway towards the end of last season. But in the summer, when he got appointed and, and extended again, I think then sort of fans thought, well... You know, the first season under Vieira was was really good. We had Mm. we let go. I think we released eleven older players, and you know that was the window. We bought a lot of really exciting young players to the club: Gay, Anderson, um, Elise, and all of those players have rocketed in value, and and are massive parts of why we're so good now. Um, And you know, we can completely transform the style of play, and it just felt like we were really giving teams a game, and we were there. (laughs) kind of taking the game to them rather than sort of waiting for them to attack and inevitably score. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, the the feeling was just much, much, much better. We obviously got to the FA Cup semi as well. Um, And I think we were a bit unlucky because normally um, when you get to kind of domestic cup semi-finals, there's normally a mid-table Premier League team or maybe even a championship team there. But I think it was just like Chelsea, Liverpool, City. And we got the slightly easier draw with Chelsea, but obviously... um, Yeah, lost out on the day, but just generally around the club, the the feeling was one of positivity and the style of play was so proactive and front foot and dynamic and exciting that it, it, as as I said um, previously on on this podcast, it felt like a backward step to go back to Hodgson and, you know, possibly the manager that they wanted, I don't know, Graham Potter or Steve Cooper or someone like that, wasn't quite available at the time and they'll go back in for for them in the summer Um, um, and I hope they do go for another manager like Vieira, because just the fact that it went a bit stale and you know things tailed off before Vieira got sacked, as you say, it doesn't mean that it was the wrong decision. And I think no. long term, it's it's more risky not to take a risk on a manager, if you know what I mean. Yeah. If we keep yeah, going yeah. for the safest option, we are we are just going to have a bad season in the next five years, and we might go down.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. And, and as so, well, I th- I think yeah. I guess as well that. Like, from the club's point of view, they want to keep the fans engaged, right? Because yeah. you know, it's easy to, to me and you talk about it, you know, a couple of times a season on on the podcast or whatever. And it's easy to sort of, as it's going by day to day, you don't really notice it. But all of a sudden, you know, it, you sort of think, oh, hang on, I've been having the same conversation for four years with me. My- I, I, you know, I, I, I look back to the dark ages of West Ham, where. It, and you just then you, you have to keep the fans engaged don't you because otherwise it can yeah. be you know five years or whatever when you're just like what's different to you know with 2023 now and you go what's different to 2017 and then when the end of the season comes round fans start thinking about their season tickets and oh, do I really do I really do I want to just do this yeah, again for another year
1: well.
0: yeah and and I th- yeah of course mate yeah and I I, I just yeah, it just seemed a bit of a, a bit of a strange one. Um, that we'll, we'll get sort of. Uh, who would you have then? But before we move on, if it was down to you, because I think Hodgson's deal runs to the end of the season. Am I right?
1: Yeah, yeah, one year. Yeah,
0: so assuming that 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 is finally the end of it, and he does hang up the uh, the management whistle or boots or whatever you wear as a manager, age one hundred and four. Who if you're in charge? Who would you, you know, who, who would you want if you could? Steve Cooper, I like the idea. I feel like he's going anywhere at Forest, depending on what happens with him. But who would you like to see in charge at the beginning of the next season?
1: I'd like Graham Potter. Um, I don't know if it's realistic because I think there'll be better teams in for him re- realistically. Um, mm. but I, I would like him. I've got no qualms at all about his his former Brighton connection. Um, I was going to ask that. Because, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Glenn Murray moved to us on a free and scored 30 goals and we got promoted and we haven't left since. So, um, yeah, I, I've got no qualms about that, really. Um, and even though he actually suffered previously, kind of historically with Palace uh, managers moving from Brighton, Alan Mullery was an absolute uh, disaster. But that's another right. story for another Um Yeah, I, I just think he he plays the kind of football... That would kind of engage and excite the fans. He's obviously good with young players. And I think Palace is quite an attractive project in terms of pretty safe in the Premier League. But also, you know, I I don't think we're far off a top eight team. And that might sound silly given that we might finish 15th this season. I don't think it does, mate. When when everyone's fit and firing, I think, you know, a new right back, a new left winger, potentially a new striker, we could easily finish eighth. Um, And that's even, you know, despite the. It feels like a lot of teams now are in that sort of fifth to ninth bracket who are much, much better, you know, West Ham, Villa, uh, um, obviously Newcastle are now kind of Champions League team. But it, it really feels like that that top eight or kind of qualifying for European football is really competitive now. But I think we're, we're up there yeah. with, with those teams if we make the, the right additions and keep our players fit. And so I think... I, I hope it would be enough of a uh enough of an attractive project for him. So yeah, I, I think I'd like him potentially Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I like the Steve Cooper. one. yeah, I was obviously you've sort of answered the question there about um whether you care about the the Brighton link or not. But uh look what's just just we, we do need to like move on to the game. Just quickly, what's life like post Wilf? He's obviously sort of you know doing okay at Galatasaray to be fair scored the goal against Man United obviously which was a nice little tale um but that again that just sort of seemed to symbolize what Palace I don't know what Palace represented for me almost like that Groundhog Day season in season out where we'd go through you know the whole every single transfer window and you'd read 50 stories about um potential locations for Wilfred Zaha and lo and behold at the end of the window he's still there and even that going to Galatasaray I understand he wants to play Champions League that just felt like a. Oh, uh, even that seemed to sort of end with a with a whimper what what did you feel about that move and and how was it like post post Wilf I suppose
1: yeah I was obviously distraught to see him go because he's you know potentially were you really of yeah yeah um yeah i it's sort of emotionally like that's a kind of hard decision with my head i understand that offering someone who's into their 30s and with an increasing kind of injury history 200 grand Mm. a week for three or four years potentially maybe not the the it's not a logical decision I and mean, it's not the decision you'd make for, like kind of in the cold light of day, if you're looking at the numbers on paper, but then, you know, Wolf has never been that kind of player and obviously being our our best ever player and that kind of thing. There were times, um, even in, in his last season where he would just drag us through games and, and kind of create something with a moment of magic. Um, yeah. and so I, I understand why we had offered him the deal that we had, but you know, fair play to him. Um, Obviously, he, he's going to play Champions League football and scoring against United was brilliant. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed he, he didn't go to a better team than Galatasaray, because it feels wow. like he's good to yeah. play for a better team than Galatasaray. But, yeah, you know, I suppose it was like the mixture of, you know, a, a new country and you know, like he's got the chance of winning domestic trophies in Turkey, which if he goes to, I don't know, Dortmund or somewhere else like that, maybe yeah. not so realistic. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, it was, it was a shame to lose him, um, but we seem to have adapted okay without him. We just haven't really replaced him on the left wing. Mateus França yeah. is obviously quite a promising young player, the, the Brazilian, but he's not going to be ready for the Premier League for potentially even beyond the start of next season because he's so mm. raw. He's only ever played mostly as a sub for Flamengo in the Brazilian League. And obviously, in Brazil, you play against a lot of like local kind of regional teams who are, yeah, who are yeah. not at the same level as opposed to like constant high level um opposition. So, he's 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 a project player, he's going to be a while. And for the moment, it just seems like we're stuck with Jeff Schlapp and Jordan Ayu uh um, yeah. our position on the left wing, and, and that's not particularly inspiring. But it no, does yeah. offer the opportunity for the likes of Eze and Elise, who kind of always played a little bit second fiddle to Zaha to really step up and be the main man. And towards the end of last season, Eze in particular was was that man. And then against Luton, um, I don't know if you've seen the Elise goal, one of the goals of the season, unbelievable. Um, And that was such a a weird thing to see because it reminded me of watching Saha because we'd obviously just conceded against Luton away. (laughs) um yeah and yeah what, i see it's still zaha, troubling
0: you the fact that that happened
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's too soon and even in the future the class, it's still going to be too soon like yeah,
0: it's, never like, ever talk to me about losing to, yeah. losing to yeah. me again. that's what you're saying yeah, yeah yeah
1: um but like when when we were in trouble before zaha would just like demand the ball immediately and just do something with it and somehow he'd find a way of assisting or scoring, whatever the match situation or whoever was opposite him, he would always do something. And at least they just got the ball with, with his back to goal on the halfway line with a defender right up behind him and just somehow like manufactured away yeah. to score. And I was like, that's so Zaha um, yeah. to, to do something like that. And so it's obviously such a shame because Elisa's been out the whole season. Eze's been out for a lot of the season and we finally had them on the same pitch together. First half, we looked pretty good all over Luton, obviously. And then we lose Eze and decoré in quick succession. And both of them are going to be, you know, not, not short-term injuries, particularly to Um, But it, it's okay losing Zaha because, as I say, it let's Eze and Elisa kind of step up a little bit. But we need a left winger. We don't really yeah, have a natural yeah. one. And I think that is the position, along with right back, because we've got two 39-year-olds still playing. There. I just feel like Joel Ward is like one of the, the three certainties in life. You know, we're just going to be yeah. playing in two thousand Death taxes and, and
0: Joel and, Ward. a
1: uh, uh, 158-year-old Joel Ward is just going to be like trudging <laughs> after. <laughs> he's, he's <awesome>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, just and Brian and bwemo
1: leaving him in his wake. <laughs> yeah that, that, that's, <laughs> that's the memory I have of Wardy now and I I, I love Joel Wardy. He's, he's a real like club legend and he's going to get his testimonial hopefully but I mean realistically he, he just doesn't have the pace anymore um so yeah Mate, I, I think I... right back and left winger is where we need to just to, to, to start yeah,
0: yeah yeah man I, I totally know what you mean right and I felt the same way about Antonio I, I go on about him a lot on this podcast and I think I don't know but you know I think there is a, an element I certainly feel like when I'm going to talk about it again I'm like oh, here we go Groundhog day and I'm like well hang on a minute it's not my fault it's not my fault West Ham haven't been able to sign an adequate replacement to 34 year old right back Michael Antonio so I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep on moaning about it but there is just that sense you get when the team or the club whatever it is like outgrow a player isn't there and and all of a sudden, you're like, what are you still doing here? And it, I think it's just about happened or happening with Aaron Cresswell. Um, like, he sort of yeah. shifted from a starter to a an adequate, a decent backup. And but again, like a, a genuinely club club legend. Yeah, Fabianski was probably... Um, he probably... I would have backed him to have another year at least at the top level, but Ariola would have gone, so it's better for the club long-term. But Antonio, it's just like, the bloke's 34. Like most black clubs in the premier league are playing strikers who are 80 years younger than him like easy and uh so i don't don't, don't know what you mean about Joel Wood, Look, Maxi, let's talk a bit more about current form. I've really enjoyed sort of getting the overall picture from you on Palace at the moment. Like you said, um, four defeats out of your last five, only one win in six games. And yeah, for, from your point of view, some of those games as well, you've played Forest, Everton, Luton and Burnley. I think Burnley was your only win. Obviously, yeah. we won at Turf Moor at the weekend, made a bit harder work of it than you did, to be fair. I think you played yeah. well, watched a lot of that game. Yeah. Um, and yeah i it did, you've obviously the, the news coming out yesterday slash this morning check the core eh? looks like he's going to be out for around six months which could keep him out for the whole year or you might get him back for the last few games if you're lucky Um Eze looks like his is about three to four weeks I think yeah. I read so maybe he's back for the Christmas period some of those games um, What Um what's going on at the moment then form wise and and, and injury wise What what's happening would you put that all down to
1: yeah, the injuries is an interesting one because from what I understand, Vieira was a real workhorse in terms of basically always double training sessions, and it felt like we were really, really um, fit as a fit team under Vieira, and so that made it easier. Obviously, Conor Gallagher helped um, because he he's got he's got iron lungs, but um, it felt like the whole team were were really fit in terms of pressing and we didn't concede so many last minute goals, which has been a bit of a theme on the Palace um, recently. Um, And Hodgson kind of famously takes a bit of a back foot approach and sort of training is a bit more enjoyable and fun and relaxed, which is fine for play morale, but also you kind of need someone with the stick a little bit to, Mm to kind of Give, give players a, a kick up the backside when it comes to that kind of you know real kind of physical um physical training and so yeah i think maybe that 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 could be a factor behind why we've had so many injuries it feels like we've had a lot of hamstrings as well um but that could just be uh, a symptom of the, the 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 fixer schedule which is just r- ridiculous um mm. as, as I'm, you know you know from last season playing in the in in europe as well as when this
0: year yeah yeah
1: um yeah it's just so difficult um and so yeah the injuries to be honest the injuries were largely behind us and so at the weekend finally had as a back finally had a lease back um and the only injuries we had were henderson who's our backup goalie and like tomkins and i think one other um and so we were thinking right we're back to almost full strength basically um and then obviously to lose the um our two key players within five mm. minutes and literally neither of them were to do with a tackle they just both went down with no one around them yeah yeah it's just, yeah, it's just uh really disappointing um but as i say while, while the injuries do offer mitigation we, we haven't played well enough like at everton in, uh, at home which i went to <coughs> you know i would say we deserve to win that game and, and we were the better team but you you just can't concede 3 goals at home to Sean Dyche's mm. Everton. Yeah. And expect to win like you can't. Um and yeah I guess every fan could say this. We maybe haven't quite had the rub of the green with um with VAR decisions. Yeah, Although yeah, yeah. Wolves seem to be worse off than that with us. Um <clears throat> but yeah, it we, we haven't played well enough and particularly the last couple of games what's been concerning is the lack of defensive solidity because uh, however bad we look in attack under hudson the what you can always fall back on is that you tend to only concede you know zero or one goals mm. and you always have a chance of getting a result if you if you only concede none or one um yeah. whereas this everton we looked all over the place i think that was because decoré was missing because he makes such a massive yeah. difference to us defensively in terms of anticipating and, and intercepting and snuffing things out before they get to the stage um, where it's like a, a big chance. Um, but against Everton, we just look really open at the back. And then obviously against Luton. To be fair, our our, um, our our record from corners this season has been incredible, unlike last season where we conceded three in the same game at Selhurst um, yeah. against West Ham. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. This season, uh, the Athletic... Um, Crystal Palace, right, Matt Wiesnham actually wrote an article about how we'd only conceded one goal or two goals. I think it was one goal in in 85 corners and we were like joint top with Tottenham for conceding the fewest from corners. Luton obviously score a scrappy rubbish goal from a corner, which is fine. You know, it happens. Teams concede from corners, but particularly the second goal, I don't know if you've seen it, the Jacob Brown goal, it just Mm. felt like a really Bad goal to concede defensively. There were, like, four players around the man in midfield who then passed out to Ogbené, which meant that Ogbené was completely free. He was obviously their their danger man in attack. And then the cross comes in. Good cross, corridor uncertainty, but Anderson is capable of clearing that like so easily. Yeah. And there's just, like, a moment of doubt and uncertainty, and they just leave it. You, you can never leave a cross going across your box. Just get it out, no. put it out for a throw, put out yeah. for a corner. Um, yeah, but- yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, just 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 poor defensively, and that that's kind of uncharacteristic of Palace and, and Palace under Hodgson, especially.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I, and this, so that, this, that's this.
1: kind of what what makes me worry because obviously West Ham have got very capable technical attackers. You know, I'm not sure if Bowen's going to be back, but he's obviously class. Kudus has hit the ground running. Um, paketar can pick up balls as well, so I'm I'm not particularly optimistic just based on that because I feel like we're going to concede two um, and uh, yeah. we're going
0: to score three. It's interesting because we can't keep a clean sheet for love nor money like, at all but just looking at your stats and you seem quite defensively resolute if Bowen isn't back and it means Danny Ng starts up front again and I, I know I am can be one for a bit of hyperbole every now and then but the, it, I keep saying he should never play for our club again. He is just nowhere near the standard required. he his confidence looks shot. He doesn't look like he cares. He's not bothered. He doesn't fit in the system. It's it's generally a disgrace every time he pulls on a shirt. Uh, same again at Burnley at the Who's weekend. Danny Ings. So oh, if, yeah, if, if, yeah. if Danny, yeah, if he plays up front, we, we'll offer absolutely nothing for every single minute he's on the, on the pitch. If Bowen is back, I fancy us a little bit more. But this game could not scream one all at me anymore if it tried. It just feels like we can't ever keep a clean sheet. It doesn't matter who we play. So we will concede one. And yeah, I just feel like we're not offering much in attack at the moment. And even if your defence is a little bit weepy, I, it's certainly, we're certainly not going to score any more than one either, I don't think. So yeah, how, do you, how do you see it playing out then, Max? And then That's give us a good. score prediction before we let you go.
1: Oh, all right. Um, I will say reluctantly uh to 1 West Ham because I I just feel like with Decore gone with Eze gone you don't lose much defensively obviously we, we look much blunter in attack mm. we still have Elise so we have a bit of goal threat and as you say um West Ham have been conceding which questions quest- questions my decision to put Ariola and goal in my FPL team absolutely yeah funny. same same I yeah. ASAP. Um, but yeah I, I can see us scoring, but I can't see us winning. I just think that the loss of Decore defensively is so massive. And Will Hughes is okay. He's technically pretty good, but physically he's not there. And when you're playing a midfield, like with the quality of Alvarez, Ward-Prowse, you know, Socek as well. Yeah, I, I can just see us getting kind of physically um, dominated. Lerma's great, but Hughes is physically he's, he's not quite there I and mean, obviously not at the same level as decore so i think we'll struggle um and i'm gonna say yeah narrow two on defeat two one
0: to west Ham. well i i'd, I'd... I'm not it just always makes me nervous when opposition fans come on and predict West Ham are going to win because mm. I rarely can with yeah. any with any <laughs> conviction. So um it always makes me nervous. Yeah, I this game just absolutely screams one all for me. I, I can't I can just see it being one of those where both sets of fans go away reasonably unhappy on a freezing cold Sunday in East London, just going, yeah. what, What's the point? <laughs> like what a load of rubbish that was. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel it's gonna be one of then West Ham are sort of in a little bit of a, a sort of uh, we've kind of this season. Some of the wins we have got are when you don't necessarily like Burnley, you don't necessarily come away really proud of your team going, Oh, that was great. Um, so I don't know, I, but I, I it would absolutely not surprise me. I don't think either team is going to perform really well. It would absolutely not surprise me if you nicked yeah. a 1 nil or a 2-1 or something like that or if we did but i just think whatever happens neither yeah. set of fans is going to go away going oh what a performance there like yeah. really good game of football yeah there. what a, <laughs> what a performance from the boys um it's just not gonna happen but listen max it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the show i've sort of uh um yeah proper enjoyed the the conversation and and probably uh, rattled on a little bit longer than uh, than we usually do cuz i've enjoyed it so much it's been great having you on the show and uh, you you certainly know your things football and palace in particular and uh, that's this game sunday afternoon london stadium west ham v palace after of course we go to polar in the europa league on thursday maxi says 2-1 to, um, to west ham i'm having one all I think that's about the best we can possibly hope for. I think Jonesy has been a bit confident and gone for a 2-1 West Ham as well, but I think one thing we can be sure of... Is that uh, it's not going to be a Rolls Royce performance from either team? Max Matthews from The Athletic, their sports journalist and huge Crystal Palace fan, chatting to me, Will Pugh, on the Opposition View on the We Are West Ham podcast. Don't forget to follow us and subscribe on YouTube and the podcast in all the usual places. Leave us five stars, say some nice things, say some mean things if you want, just as long as you put five stars. Not really too bothered. Get us on the socials Twitter at We Are underscore West Ham, We Are West Ham Pod. On Instagram, buy us a pint if you want, buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. That's it from me and Jonesy for another week. We'll chat to you after the Palace game early next week. It'll be Tuesday or Wednesday. The first podcast comes out. But two games uh, coming up. By the time you hear this, we'll have played back at Sepola Palace at home on Sunday to carry on our run towards the Europa League places again, hopefully in the Prem this season. Thanks for listening, everyone. Up the Hammers, West Ham are massive, and we'll speak to you next week. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. Podcast Network.